Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, go ahead. I would love to receive some applause. <laughs> Make me feel all warm and fuzzy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, my name is Roy. If uh, you're new to Harvest, you haven't seen me for six weeks. And uh, as Christina said, this does afford us a great opportunity to take some breaks uh, for summer book series. And uh, the team actually really did, I just echo Chris's words, Natalie, Frank, Ryan, Brittany, Karen, and Mia, give it up one more time. Come on, these guys are awesome. Church is in great hands. What I love about uh, capable speakers is that um, it's not just a, a time where somebody, you know, can speak, but when they, it's a voice in the house that feeds and adds to, and so it's obvious that these, uh, these folks are doing that, and so we will see them and hear them more um, as God's cultivating that gift in their lives, and uh, we're actually super fortunate. I had a leader from outside the area um, that watches our live stream and said, how many people do you have on staff? And I said, uh, what you're seeing is not all staff people, but uh, some are, but people who, some are volunteers and uh, some are part-time and just kind of explain that. They said, you have a strong team. And I go, we really do. And sometimes we just need to stop and be so thankful for the leaders that God's raising in the house. Yeah. Well, I want to start a new series today called Together. Say Together. We said together, together, Acts 2, 44. I'd like to, I'll read it, then we're going to read it together. Uh, now all who believed were together. Let's read it together. Now all who believed were together. Jesus, thank you that you're here in a powerful way this morning. And Lord, that uh, you're just really getting started. You want to bless so many today in a, in a greater capacity. You want to heal some bodies. You want to do some great things. Lord, thank you for the message and the truths of who we are together, your church that you died for. Help us understand it today in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. So in Hebrews chapter 2, um, the author of Hebrews is writing about salvation. And when we talk about salvation, we're talking about that we were separated from God when we were born because of Adam and Eve's sin. All mankind, humanity, is separated from God, not just because of Adam's sin, but we commit our own. When we're old enough to know right from wrong, we choose wrong. And there's no, there's no other choice. And because we're fallen, there's a theological word called depraved, where there's depravity in the heart of man because of sin. But Jesus died on the cross to pay the price uh, for sin. And when we accept that, we're saved from our sin. We're saved from the consequences uh, of sin, which is eternally being separated from God. And so the writer of the Hebrews calls it so great salvation. So great salvation. And when you make the choice to receive this great salvation, you are choosing to receive eternal life. Uh, now, when we receive eternal life, it's not just for the life to come, which is where most people, and I want to just take a minute or two to focus on this, a lot of people focus on, um, when it comes to Christianity, an escape from hell, the consequence of sin, and 
Uh, somehow, you know, I need my ticket to get to heaven. I don't want to spend eternity in hell. That sounds awful. So what's the alternative heaven? I'd like heaven. And so when we receive eternal life, it's very, very important to know that we're not waiting for our eternal life. When you become born again, you make that choice to receive salvation and eternal life. God himself, God's breath, God's life, acts as in him we live and move and have our being. Eternal life is in you. Say in me. Eternal life is in you. God's life, God's breath. He puts his life, his spirit in you. Years ago, I was on a pastoral staff in Oshawa. And I was an assistant pastor, and I had the duty, uh, responsibility that week, to get some baptismal people ready for their Sunday baptism. And I did that along with the, one of the other assistant pastors. And so we kind of did a dry run. And um, the baptismal tank in that particular church uh, was up on like a second story where it was very visible. And uh, the Sundays we didn't use it. There was curtains, and they would open the curtains, and you would see the tank in the water. And it was very, very visible and kind of a, a cool way to do water baptism. And, um, and so we were, did the dry run, showed everybody the tank, and had an explanation. And now it's old school. It's quite, this is 30-some this is years ago. And, um, and so there would be a wired microphone above the tank so you could pick up the conversations we're having with the people that are going to share their story of why they're getting water baptized. And, and the, even though it's low voltage in a wired microphone, today we use handheld wireless, so there's no voltage there. But... In a um, old school microphone that's wired, and the ones that are wired here, there's low voltage in that. And so we're just explaining to everybody, don't touch the microphone while you're in the water. Because if there's a short circuit, there's going to be a problem. Now, the one, there was one young man, his name was Alex, and he was intellectually um, uh, handicapped. And, uh, and so we were really concerned that he understand that he wasn't to touch the microphone. And so we explained it to him, and Alex said he understood, but we weren't convinced he was. And so got very up close to Alex and said, Alex, if you touch the microphone, you will die. Do you understand? I understand. And so he understood. And so, uh, you know, the, the week went on, Sunday came, and it was Alex's turn to come into the tank. And uh, he just, like, he just looked like he was afraid. And... And he was just white as a ghost. And he wasn't his jovial, talkative self. In fact, we couldn't get him to say anything, which is the whole point of the microphone of being in a tank, is to get to share. And he had an incredible story of how he met Jesus. And we wanted him to share it. And so we go, would you like to share? And we're pointing him you know, towards the front of the tank. And, uh, and, 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 and would you like to share something, Alex? Mm. Mm. And so we're not cluing in. We're not getting it. Finally, you know, with everybody watching, we've got to get Alex to say, Alex, Alex, tell the church, you want to go to heaven, don't you? No! No! And he backed right up to the back of the tank, and then we clue, then we, oh my gosh, we realized that, you know, the very big faux pas that we had created for Alex, and he'll never forget his water baptismal uh, and I'll never forget it because it was one of those what not to do in ministry moments. But the story is humorous, you know, now looking back, humorous as it is. Alex was saying in those moments very clearly, he was enjoying his eternal life. He just wasn't ready to go to heaven in that moment. <laughs> and so many people are focused on 
heaven. And so we get sometimes these questions as uh, new believers come and, and um, they make the choice for salvation and then we'll tell them about, here at Harvest we call it next steps, next steps. And, you know, growing in the Lord and making more choices according to the choices that God would have us made. And, and for some people, and, and please understand that your next steps and choices are yours to make. And, and people will say, you know, do I have to get water baptized? Well, you, you can choose to be water baptized or not. Um, do I need to get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you can choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit or not. Do I need to get involved in a giving lifestyle of tithing and giving or not? Um, do I even need to come on Sunday or not? Do I need to serve? And it's often followed up with this question, so if I don't do this, do I still get to go to heaven? And technically the answer is yes, you do. Because your first choice to receive Jesus and his eternal life is that that's, there's no reversing that. You, you've made the choice to receive his love and receive his forgiveness and the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So, so you didn't deserve it in the first place and you can't do anything, you know, to, to get God to reject you. He loves you. But here's the point with that phrase. Here's the point of that. And what I want to make today, kind of hone in on today, is that Jesus wasn't just interested in heaven for you. That wasn't his focus, and it wasn't the first century church's focus of just, let's get the fire insurance out of the way. Let's get, you know, let's, let's just get that taken care of and then kind of life goes on. No, it's the first choice and the most important choice but the other choices that he also gives you, they don't decide whether or not you go to heaven, but they will decide your life here on the earth and how you are living in the eternal life that he gave you. So let me just, let me just show you this. Jesus was interested in something much bigger than our eternity in heaven. There's a plan that involves the now, and it's a big plan, and it's God's main plan. And Really, heaven, just like hell, is the consequence of being separated from God for eternity, so heaven is the consequence of being joined with him and getting to spend eternity with him. But while we're here on the earth, God's plan is for here on the earth and then for the church to continue in eternity. Let me show you. So in Ephesians, Paul says this. He says, my task so task as a church leader and as an apostolic leader in church planting, and his task in writing the scriptures that would be given to us today. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. So he's speaking to some people that have a Jewish background, and he's making the point that until Jesus actually died on the cross, even his disciples didn't get it until he actually died, and they went, uh oh. And then what God had been doing since Genesis, his plan of salvation for mankind, and the frustration of the law could never, ever save somebody, and then the gift of eternal life through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross made plain and clear, and now we're gonna talk about it, build doctrine around it, and have churches around that. He said, my job is to explain that what God was doing now makes sense, and if we take the cross and the Christ event, and we look back, oh, as New Testament believers, we have the privilege 
of seeing the behind the scenes of what God was doing. He says, that's my job to explain that, which is what is in, contained in the, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament concealed, the New Testament revealed. Through Christians like yourselves, gathered at Harvest Christian Fellowship this morning, through Christians like yourself gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. And what he's saying is that the angels didn't even understand. And it wasn't until it all unfolds that they went, oh, I get it now. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God. Say all along. I'm reading from the message because he just, Peterson says it really well, and then executed in Christ Jesus. But in the NIV or some of the other translations that we would use, it says, according to the eternal plan of God. The church, what we're doing this morning, is a part of the eternal plan of God. There is no other plan. There is not going to be plan B for the Jews in Jerusalem where they're going to rebuild everything, and a lot of stuff that uh, um, different people have kind of talked about and teach about, that when you look at it, go, wait a minute, so you're telling me the church is plan B and the Jews were God's plan A? No, the church has always been God's plan A, both Jew and Gentile, not, and, and Paul says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. All of those div divisive lines no longer is, exist in Christ, but we're one in Christ. Forget about our nationality. He did use the Jewish nation, but that translates into the New Testament where he says, but my plan was as I used them to have a holy nation and a holy priesthood, Peter teaches us, which includes everybody on earth. Say everybody. The church, God's plan A. God's plan A. Very, very important. His eternal purpose. Why is that important? <laughs> because God's eternal purpose is that we would be together. And our together is more important, I think, than sometimes we understand. And, and I'll, I'll, let me unpack this a little more. In the book of Acts, this is how it looked. So the birthday of the church, Acts chapter two. And with many other words, he, talking about Peter, Peter's preaching, testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So he's talking about salvation is not, it's in Christ. And he's preaching that. Be saved from our sins, receive eternal life. And those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly. So when they got born again, they continued in four simple things. The systems of the New Testament church continue to be simplistic, I think should be. Um, they're profound, but there's, in its simplicity, this is what they did. They continued steadfastly. They gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, so meeting with each other, doing life with each other, um, hospitality, that word, and, and, and opening our lives to each other, the breaking of bread, which we're going to do in a moment. We're going to have communion this morning. So this is talking about the communion, the Eucharist, and in prayers. Really simple systems. So there's teaching. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, in the series. We're going to talk about what is hospitality and fellowship. Uh, today we're talking about the breaking of bread and why this is important to celebrate our together and talk about prayer in the days to come. 
in fear, then fear came upon every soul. And many, say many, many wonders and signs, miracles were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, which is our verse this morning. They were together. Something happened that joined them. They were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all and every, as everyone had need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple, public gatherings like we're doing today, breaking bread from house to house. They actually did the communion in their small groups. They ate their food, hospitality, um, outside with chip trucks and however they did it, I don't know, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. As a result of this simplicity and yet profound truth of the culmination of Jesus who comes incarnate and then empowers his body called the church on planet earth that takes up its identity in local assemblies across the world, his body, his presence. When that happened, it says that, uh, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So in these verses, we see a worshiping church, a church that's growing by salvation. They have public gathering. They're living in small group. They're living in generosity and giving. There's unity. There's miracles all over the place. People are getting set free. People are having their sins forgiven. People are having their bodies healed. It was having an effect. And I need to tell you this morning that that kind of church, that together church, is the church Jesus talked about when he said, I will build my eternal purpose, the church, and the the gates of hell will not be able to withstand it in the day that I raise it up and I make myself known to the world. Church is important. <laughs> there is no plan B. It's God's plan A. Getting to heaven was not what they were focused on, but they were making decisions to live a life so that there would be a power flow of the Holy Spirit in their life individually and corporately, so that the church would be seen and many would come to know Jesus even daily. We say it this way at Harvest. We want you to know God, not know about him. We want you to experience him and, and experience him more and more, to find freedom from yesterday, the effects that sin has had on our lives, and really the glasses that the prescription that sin has given us, that we see life jaded and broken, and Jesus wants you to see life through his purpose. We want you to discover that purpose that he has for you and to make a difference. In a moment, we're going to experience the Lord's table together, together, but emphasizing the importance of the together that you need to, as we've been having this beautiful series of no, don't give the enemy a seat at the table, it emphasized your one-on-one -on -one, uh, relationship with the Lord. In fact, in places we talked about, it's a table for two. And that's when you believe. And that's how we maintain our relationship with Jesus. But really, the table is is all of us are at the table this morning. And the Lord's table that Jesus instituted is not a table for you and Jesus. You see, um, the Lord's table is a together table. And as I read Acts 2.44, now all who believed were together. Let's say it again. Now all who believed were Individualism was not a part of the New Testament church experience. But it's very, 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 and a hundred more varies much part of the North American church expression. You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is 
There's an emphasis on me and Jesus. So me and Jesus. I got the me and Jesus thing going on. And, uh, and I go to church on Sunday, but Sunday church is about all the individual me and Jesus people who we call ourselves Christians, and we bring our relationship with Jesus with us to church on Sunday, and we get our church on on Sunday together, because we all come together, and we have this common thing going on, because it's me and Jesus, but the emphasis is on the me and Jesus. And then we sit in the room, me and Jesus, but we're a collection of me and Jesus people. And our individualism is held higher than our corporateness. Because I may not know the person, thus, after COVID and we have so many new people, why we would take the trouble just to put a name tag on because we don't want people to be embarrassed that I don't know your name. So knowing someone's name is the first step towards connection. And then we want deeper and deeper connection as we're gonna talk about in the weeks to come. Because individualism is what kills his church because we're only as powerful as my relationship with Jesus. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me illustrate this. Let me illustrate this from the Old Testament. I, I have a point. I'm trying to make a point. Some of you are looking at me like, what? So church, church, Christians come to church. That's what we do, right? Yes, but there's an importance in the order. There's an importance in the order. Watch this. Remember that in the Old Testament, conceal, the New Testament reveal, Paul gives us some keys in Corinthians. He says this. Now, all these things happen, the Old Testament, to them as examples. So it was, it was real life for them. And they were written for our admonition so we could grow in Christ. We could understand the plan. We see it clearly. They didn't. We do. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So here today as we look back at an Old Testament scripture, we're going to look at it through the eyes of what Jesus has told us in the New Testament. And I want to look at this whole thing of Passover that Jesus celebrates with his disciples, and then he breaks bread and passes out the cup, which we're gonna do in a minute. In fact, we're gonna do that right now. If the hosts could come and pass out the, um, the little cup, it has the bread included in it. And um, today, if you'd like to sit at the table with us uh, all together, we're doing this corporately, we invite you to do that, and uh, you'll receive a little cup and the bread. If I, I just ask that you not open it just yet. Hold on to it, and we'll all partake together. Say together. Because today's series is the beginning of our Together series. So Jesus is celebrating Passover, but he's fulfilling the prophetic significance that he is the Passover lamb. He is the Passover lamb. So let me just remind you of Passover quick, then we're going to look at a scripture. So the Jewish people are in slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt. They do not have an identity. They are not a people group. They are slaves building pyramids in Egypt, making Pharaoh very, very rich. God hears the cries of his people. He's gonna set them free. He raises up a deliverer named Moses, and um, they are gonna escape Egypt. And the way they're gonna do that is they're going to, uh, there'll be a lamb that will be killed. And for God, death is required for sin. So you go, like, the Old Testament's really bloody and gory. Yeah, it's significant of that's the price that's paid for sin. So there has to be death in order for there to be uh, the payment for sin. And so they would take a broom, hyssop, and they put it in the lamb's blood, and they would put it on the lintel and on the doorpost, and little did they know, because they didn't know what a cross, 
thousands of years before the cross. This forms uh, uh, the, the symbol of a cross, the blood's dripping down. The judgment of God in Egypt, when it saw the blood on the home, it would pass over. Say Passover. So we're not Jewish, and we don't understand all the significance of this, but it's important, and we can, we can understand that Jesus is explaining this, and we're looking back. Passover, God's judgment passed over. Pa- judgment they deserved. Death that they deserved. But mercy was given instead as God passed over the house that had. And then they together, a bunch of slaves who had no corporate identity at all. They had individualism. They knew, I'm slave number 6254, I work for Pharaoh, and I report for duty. And my son does, and my grandson does, and so on and so on, for generations and generations and generations, 400 years of slavery. And then God releases them with a new identity of being together, puts them into the wilderness, and they journeyed together to discover the promised land together. You can't do that by yourself. You do it together. Now watch this. Watch this. You got to see this. Exodus 12. Some little instructions that apply to us today. And we're looking back at the importance of local church. Let's tie it all together. If the household, your house, right? You're living together in your little house. If the household is too small for the lamb, they would go and secure a lamb, bring it to the house. and, And... Not only are they going to kill the lamb and use the blood here, there was kind of a part two of that. They were going to eat the lamb. They have to eat the lamb. All of it. And I don't have time to unpack all that, but basically, let's just, this morning, so we can understand what's happening when they would also eat the lamb. Jesus said, here's my body, eat. Here's my blood, drink. They would eat the lamb. Blood, blood says, I've made a decision. I don't want to come under the judgment of God. Also, I consume the lamb. And the consuming of the lamb is I'm all in. That God has provided me with something, and I want all of it. I don't want a little bit of God's provision. I want all of God's provision. I don't want a little miracle. I want all the miracle. I don't want a a little bit of power. I want all the power. Say I'm all in. The first, the, 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 they, didn't, they weren't focused on heaven. They were focused on making decisions in their lives saying, I'm all in because it's about the provision of the Lamb. It's about this gift that's been given while we're on this earth to live in this life. And if your household was too small for the Lamb, I love this. So you bring the Lamb and you go, oh, we could never eat all that. Too much Lamb. That's a big, I mean, that's, we're going to bite off more than we can chew. I mean, that's a lot of lamb right there. We, we can't, we can't, we couldn't possibly consume all of what that lamb represents. Okay, well, here's what you're supposed to do then. Go to your next door neighbor, knock on their door and tell them this great story that they can be free and sit at the table and partake of the lamb. And, and, and so get the people in your house according to the number. And it was a decision that every house would make. A decision every house would make. And it's there. And I don't want you to oversee this. This is way more important than just kind of, oh, that's kind of cool. So they would invite their neighbors over. No, no, what, no what, we're going to bring it into the New Testament. What does it mean? 
The Holy Spirit's asking the exact same question that he was pointing to then. How big is your Jesus? God's eternal plan. How big is it in your mind? Because if it's, if Jesus is enough for us four and no more, and a mentality that we're all gonna huddle and wait for Jesus to come back, which the pandemic has stirred, I'm gonna call it nonsense because I really think it is, this nonsensical idea that the enemy is targeting with fear that the, the, the bad devil and government is taking over. God has lost control. And whatever it is God was doing, we must be in the end days now. And God's checked out. And God's judgment's on the earth. Hey, listen to me. God put the blood on the doorposts, and as far as I can see from my Bible, the doors of the ark, God's judgment, is not being poured out on the earth right now. As far as I can tell and read in my Bible, that the glory of God on the earth is just getting started in his church. And third world countries are seeing it, but I don't think Cornwall's quite seen it yet. I don't think there's been enough cancer healed in Cornwall yet. I don't think there's enough people that to come to know the loving grace of a Savior yet. So his church is still on display. And I don't know what's going on out there. I don't really care because God's eternal plan trumps it every single time. It trumps it. God is more powerful. And the question he's asking us at Harvest today, how big is your Jesus? There's a provision that he gave for this region. And we need to say his provision is way bigger than our vision. His provision is bigger than I could ever dream about. Something bigger than I could ever pray about. Something bigger than we could ever accommodate in this place. So yes, we will make sure that the message at Harvest says, everybody come to the table. Come to the table because Jesus is much larger, his eternal plan, than anything we could imagine. So it's not gonna be us four and no more. Huddling out in a little church, and that's why churches are dying all over North America, is that they don't understand why we do what we do. We don't come to church we are the church. We are the church. And when the New Testament believers were making decisions to do those four things that you're going to be looking at, and we go, we just, these are your next steps. These are the things we want you to do. Well, why? Well, because when we do these things, we become, we, we, we become the, we're making the decision to be, to be his church. You shall take a bunch of hyssop that's just like a broom made of this plant hyssop. Dip it in the blood that's in the basin and strike the lintel. I talked about that a moment ago. And the two doorposts door with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you, none of you shall go out of the house until morning. I'm going to make a strong statement. There'll be some of you online this morning in this room. You're going to have a problem with this. And you don't, you you study the scriptures, you have to decide. In the New Testament, it talked about the Bereans who listened to the Apostle Paul's teaching and they study it and they go, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I see that, I see that. Here's my statement. Salvation was in the house together. If they had left the house in the dark hour 
while God's judgment was being poured out. And they celebrated God's mercy in the house together. They understood I'm all in. This, this is my place. This is, this is where I need to be. Salvation was in the house together. See, pastor, so what are you saying? You're saying, if I don't go to church, I won't go to heaven? See, that's that question again. No, you're missing the intention of the provision of the lamb. You've got your doorpost marked. That's a great decision. But that's Jesus's, that's not his only focus for you. He longs for you to ingest and take in his eternal plan that's about you fulfilling what he's called you to be in your place and your part of the together at Harvest Christian Fellowship. And when we stay in it, and there's lots of temptations to get out of it, and like, do I, if I leave Harvest and go to another church, no, you, I'm not, yes, you can do that. <laughs> and we bless people when they do. We're sad, but we bless people when they do. Sometimes people make a decision to do that. But I'm talking about being a part of a company of people that you get planted with, you begin to do life with, and it won't be everybody, and we're gonna talk about small groups and how you could begin doing that on a smaller scale and get, to, get a salvation. And it's totally understanding what God's doing was together in the house. Now all who believed were together. Say together. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper and I hope that has helped you a little bit to bring significance today that yes, we are thinking about our relationship. We believed and the blood went on the doorpost of our life. And then we were together simultaneously. And let's not lift one above the other. They're both to be focused on today. Jesus gave his bread, his body, the Passover bread. And Paul says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. I'd like you just to open the top portion. And I just did it wrong. He took bread. I don't know how Jesus opened it. I don't know how he got this open, but <laughs> somehow he did. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. And when he'd given thanks, he broke and said, take eat, this is my body. What are we ingesting? Let's all just, I'll, I'll, we'll all partake in a moment. If you already did, that's okay. I want to say a couple more things before we do. I want to make some declarations and pray before we partake. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There are some things this morning represented, uh, some situations, needs represented in this room that you cannot solve in yourself. You cannot solve in yourself. If you could, you wouldn't have a need. <laughs> you wouldn't have a problem. But the answer 
is in another body. The provision is in Jesus' body. Now, I want you to think about this. I don't want you to think about individualism, me and Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to go get it directly from Jesus, which we technically and ultimately do. But if you look at the, in the context of what we've been sharing this morning, where we see miracles, where we see these things happening, needs being met, and God working and the Holy Spirit working in a profound way, it's when they discern, the, when, and, and, and Paul actually said that there are many sick among you and dying prematurely because you cannot discern the body of Christ. What he was saying was you don't understand all that's been provided in the together. And if you'll shift out of the individual and come into where we, we, we allow our lives to come together, the answer is in the together. And today, today as we are together, I want to pray that whatever you have need of today, that it'll be released to you because you've made the decision, I'm doing this together. I've believed, but now I'm together. Let's bow our hearts. Father, I just thank you right now as I boldly proclaim with faith in my heart, knowing the truth, that if there are bodies that are sick here today, that are, have illness or disease or not functioning properly the way you designed them, Lord, our body doesn't have the answer, but your body does. And in the name of Jesus right now, based on the broken body of Jesus, by your stripes we are healed today. Father, in this company of believers, release miracles right now, I ask in your name. Lord, I pray for deliverance right now. People who are tormented, Lord, in situations of mental illness. Lord, their noisy minds that they can't shut off. People who are here today fatigued because they can't sleep, because they're not able to find rest. Lord, in your name right now, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would release your Holy Spirit into their mind, soul, spirit, and set them free. Because that which we cannot do in our own body, your body releases. Lord, we release those things right now in faith. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the bread together. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. The blood of Jesus, symbolizing the forgiveness of sin. We have both aspects. We're not raising one up over the other. The body that's together and then the blood that was put on the doorpost that symbolized I've made a decision to come under the grace and the mercy of God and receive that, and to receive that. It goes on and it mentions that this forgiveness is in the context of the new covenant. Say new covenant. Here's the glorious truth of that. As Jesus looks at you today, as you celebrate his forgiveness, he's not looking at your sin. He's not looking at your mistakes. He's not dealing with you based on your shortcomings. He's not deciding you might need something in your life today. And he's not deciding, well, you know, if you would just do a little bit better, I'll release a little more. He's dealing with you based on this covenant. He's dealing with you based on all his promises for your life. 
Oh, and they're yes and amen to the glory of God. Today's, I'm going to pray, and many of us are going to, we're all going to receive this cup, but many of us are going to receive the cup with faith in our heart, knowing that as God deals with you according to his promise, then his power can get to every area of your life. There's not one area of your life that his power cannot infiltrate, penetrate, and change today. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says God can't get to an area of your life because you've got sin. We all have sin. That's why we needed forgiveness. And then when we receive forgiveness, he said, I will release my power. There's power in the blood of Jesus. I'm going to receive my power, uh, send my power to every area because of the promise. Say, because of the promise. Because of the promise today. Father, I ask right now that not a single person in this room would feel that they're not reachable. Lord, that they are somehow are isolated. You said that you take the isolated and you put them in families. Today, Lord, all across this room, Father, that people, as they, as they just realize that we are forgiven because of your blood, we receive that today. I'm going to pause in my prayer. If you've never received his forgiveness for your sin, you can do that right now. Simply right where you're sitting, say, Lord, I receive your blood on my life. I receive the mark of what you did on the cross Forgive my sin, come into my life. I want eternal life to come into me. We believe if you've done that for the first time, as simply as I just said it, that you're born again. Lord, as we hold up the cup of communion, as we hold up the promise, we acknowledge today and I release, Lord, the power of God to reach every area that we're praying for today, believing you for today. Your power is not limited your promises are unending. We receive your grace and mercy now. And in Jesus' name, everyone has said, amen. Let's partake. If you would stand, I have one more verse and we're going to worship. And then Karen will dismiss us in a few moments. I want to encourage you, just really give yourself and worship this morning. Thanksgiving to him. One more verse. One more verse. I think if you pass your cups to an aisle, someone will pick them up for you. If I could just have your attention here, one more verse and we're going to worship. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, another word would be you release. It's like when we just pray, we, re we release some things. You release the Lord's death until he comes. I want to ask you a question. Has Jesus come back yet? Yes or no? Just answer the question. Has he come back yet? Good. Good students of the word here. No, he has not come back yet. Are you dead this morning standing here? Are you physically dead? All right. What this is saying, Jesus has not returned yet, and we are still breathing. It's not time for heaven. And if I could just quote Alex for a minute. No! And as glorious as that will be if we part and our loved ones when that happens and we'll be reunited, and as powerful that is, I have air in my body and so don't you.
Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. I got a job for you. Church, I've got something so exciting you can't even imagine. And until I come back or you drop dead, your focus is joining together and seeing it all happen to the glory of God. It's not time for heaven, but it is time for church. Come on, Harvest, let's decide. We are doing it together.
the story how I've overcome it's his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done but this goodness and mercy and the power of the bless your people as we move into our week. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Be blessed. We love you. We'll see you next weekend.